there's so many different stories I have. I mean, there's always the silly things like teachers have that, you know, some parents say something crazier. What I found is that because most of my experience is in middle school, that middle school kids tend, there, there tends to be an odd undertone to their humor or just their conversation where they don't mean to, but they're exploring almost how far they can go with you. That is Abby Whitridge from Manchester Essex Middle School, who joins us to share some of the lighter side of teaching from her 24 years of experience in the classroom. Join us as it's time to get schooled with Mr. S. Hello and welcome back to another show. My name is Mr. S, and today we have a fun interview lined up for you. Abby Whitridge is a colleague of mine. I've known her for 14 years, and she's always one of the teachers who has a funny story for us in the faculty room. It reminds me of when I was a brand new student teacher. Maybe three days in, a cooperating teacher says, take them out for recess. So that's an easy task. I'll have no problem with that. So the recess went out without a hitch, and... Then I'm lining them up, and this boy fires his racquetball at another boy. And I said, you can't do that. He says, yes, I can. I said, oh, geez. So I, I say, give me that ball. And he didn't want to give it to me, but he finally gave me the ball that he had just thrown at a kid's head. And then he says, I'm going to lock you guys out. I said, oh, no, you're not. Of course, I was wrong. That's exactly what he did. He ran into the building, locked us out. I had the whole class of 18 kids standing there in the cold, and he's doing nya, 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 nya. So that was certainly a story. <laughs> yes, they brought me back for the next day. And yes, I'm still at this 20 years later. So um, that was my funny story. Not at the time, but education does have what I consider some unintentional comedy and that as opposed to some of the intentional it's all there and we've got more great stories just like that one coming up on get schooled with mr s right after this when i got into the podcast game i had no idea what i was doing i needed advice someone to bounce ideas off of, and someone to handle all the back-end production work. Bearcat Group helped guide me through the process. They work with me on the feel of the show, rundowns, and help set up all the equipment in my house. They even helped me create my show's artwork and social handles. I was in good hands with the team at Bearcat Group. They really worked hard to make me feel comfortable. Bearcat Group offers experienced editors and engineers, professional producers, and a totally virtual production process. 24-hour turnaround time on recordings, publishing, and distribution options. They even have equipment you can rent if needed. Now that Get Schooled with Mr. S is up and running, they produce, edit, and publish the podcast, leaving me just to worry about the content of the show. If you are looking to start an audio or video podcast, check them out, bearcatgroup.com, and speak with them about your vision, and they'll make it happen. That's bearcatgroup.com. They make podcasting easy. Welcome back to Get Schooled. I'm Mr. S, and I'm really excited for our next guest. 
She's a veteran English teacher, an expert in Shakespeare, and can bring a smile to your face with her great stories. Please welcome Abby Whitridge to Get Schooled. Abby, how are you? I am great. How are you? Great. Can you give us a little bit about your teaching background just for the audience? Okay. Um, I've been a teacher for 24 years. Um, all 24 years I've been in the humanities, either social studies or English or both. And um, my first year teaching was in Kenya, in Nairobi. I, I went there to start help start a school and worked with an international population kids from tribal students all the way through like American diplomats kids. And um, they had no curriculum. So I went there with nothing. And I had to teach five courses, five different courses with no curriculum in my first year teaching. And then after that, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, which was kind of like the opposite. I moved to a, a low income school in Atlanta. And I taught kids whose parents weren't missionaries or diplomats or tribal leaders. I taught kids whose parents were gang members. And I had two or three pregnant kids in my class. And Atlanta was a different world. And then I moved um, to a suburb. And that was kind of normal and nice and fun, kind of boring. And then I moved up to Massachusetts um, and where I'm teaching now. And I've been teaching for the past, I think it's 14 years, maybe 13. But it all runs together sometimes. But yeah, that's my background. And we're, we're talking about the lighter side of teaching today. <laughs> Have you always had a similar sense of humor? Has teaching brought that out? How, how would you describe that? I, I say... I've always had pretty, like, well, let's just say I appreciate sarcasm, and um, I kind of use it as a measure of intelligence. I probably shouldn't do that, but it's just the way my life is. And I, I think teaching has um, solidified that in my brain more, <laughs> if that could be a possibility. Sure. But yeah, so, definitely, it's definitely developed my sense of humor. <laughs> What in particular jumps out? You, you you tell such great stories at lunchtime. What 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 is one that really jumps out that you could share with our audience today? Oh gosh, I would say there's so many different stories I have that like. Um, I mean, there's always the silly things like teachers have that you know some parent says something crazier. But what I found is that because most of my experience is in middle school, that. Um, Middle school kids tend there. There tends to be an odd, like, undertone to their humor or just their conversation where they don't mean to, but they're exploring almost how far they can go with you. To be a middle school teacher, you can never ever take anything they're saying super personal. And um, we we had this like substitute gym teacher at work. And like when kids say stuff, like middle school kids are super, like they just blurt out stuff. They have no filter. And they'll say stuff like, those pants make your stomach stick out or your butt is bigger than it was <laughs> yesterday. And you, they, they don't, they don't mean it like that. They're just you know, kids. And, you know, you just have to remember they're, you know, they're 12, they're not 20. And, you know, laugh it off or say something back to them. Well, your butt's bigger than mine, you know, whatever. And the, this gym teacher that we used to work with, she, um, one of the kids went up to her and asked her if she was pregnant. 
And oh my gosh, she was in tears. She demanded that this child be like um, reprimanded and punished and, you know, like suspended or something. And I was like, good Lord, lady, uh, you got to just get right back at him and say, no, I'm never having kids. You guys are the best birth control in the world, you know, stuff like that, because they'll laugh and then they know they can't get to you. But when you let them get to you, that's when they either cross the line where you burst into laughter at what they say, and then you've lost the class or you get too offended and then they know they can push your buttons and you got to be careful. You got to keep it within the realm of, I don't know where you can control it because sometimes you don't mean to, or, but when a kid says something that is so bad, um, you're, you're about to die laughing. Like it's so hard. You have to turn around and say, um, all right, excuse me for just a second. I just remembered I have to go tell Mr. Stefanik something, <laughs> you know, and you have to get out of there because you're going to laugh real hard. Like, um, once I had this, uh, this boy in my class, he, um, he had his, he was tapping, um, like drum beats out on his desk. And I was like, you got to stop this. And I had another, uh, uh, the special ed lady was in the class with me and it was almost like he was kind of soothing himself with it. But I was like, he's driving me crazy. Cause I was trying to explain what meter and poetry was. And I think I had said it's about rhythm. So he was all for that. He was just beating out a rhythm. And I said, what are you doing back there? You've got to stop this. He goes, what? It's just me and my two best friends. And he holds his hands up like that. And the the other teacher and I looked at each other like, what? And then he puts his hands back in his lap. And we're like, oh, God, I can't. I can't even. And so I just had to turn around and write something on the board. I don't even know what I wrote. I was just laughing so hard because. I, was, I know my shoulders were shaken. Luckily, nobody asked me anything else. But there are times like that, or when one girl, the sweetest, cutest, most innocent girl, who you know did not mean this, um, she, we were talking about Shakespeare, and um, and earlier in the year we had talked about foreshadowing, and she goes, "Oh, so in a play." She goes, and like Shakespeare, if there's any foreshadowing, is that called foreplay? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope, that's not what that's called. And she goes, because I heard that word. And I was just wondering if it had to do with like foreshadowing and stuff. And I was like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And you have to act dumb or they'll ask you to explain stuff. And then you're in big trouble. <laughs> So I get the, the saving grace is mo most of that goes over the your audience's head. So you don't have seventeen year olds in the room who are like dying for twelve and thirteen. You, you you can sneak through that without them realizing it. I think certainly in the area that I teach in right now, they're very young and they don't they don't know a lot of the um, <laughs> a lot of the slang for stuff. They're you know they're very sheltered. In Atlanta, I would have never gotten away with any of that. But in, you know, Manchester by the Sea, Massachusetts, I get away, I can get away with it a little more because they, they really don't know stuff. Like this one boy turned in a project. Um, <laughs> it was, um, 
the gods, uh, I told them, I, I told the kids that the gods on Mount Olympus had lost their jobs and uh, Olympus closed down and they had to find jobs here on earth. And so their assignment was to, to pick any god um, and give them a modern day job and make an ad, either a pop-up ad on a computer or like a Yellow Pages ad. And they, you know, had a slogan and a phone number and all that stuff. And one boy came in and he was so proud of his project. And he had, it was about um, Pan, the god of the forest. And he had him being um, a lumberjack and cutting down trees and selling the wood as firewood. And the phone number, he wrote 1-800-GOT-WOOD. And I said, oh, buddy, you can't put this up. I can't, I can't hang it up. And he goes, but it's a good product. And he had worked so hard. You could tell it was beautiful. He colored it. He spent hours on it. It was so good. And I said, I can't hang it up. And he goes, I'm really upset. And I said, I know. He goes, why? And I said, it's because of what it says. And he was like, well, I don't understand. And I couldn't explain it to him. So I sent him home. I said, go show it to your dad and ask your dad if he thinks I should hang it up. And he goes, okay. And he came in the next day with a completely different project. <laughs> so I was thanking God <laughs> the Father got to deal with that one and I did not have to. <laughs> The innocence of it leads itself to unintentional comedy. Of course, um, I remember back, there was an April Fool's, if you recall, where I was, um, you and I had a dispute, if you will. Uh, The students had, some of them took that so seriously. Oh, yeah. um, Those of you who um, don't know Mr. S here, he is a avid tie wearer. And um, I, I pretty regularly make fun of his um, dressing. Mr. S's ringtone on my phone is sharp dress man. But um, just so you know, I, I tease him a lot about it, about, you know, a reversible belt, his Friday ties. And, because every day of the week he wears like a tie that matches his shirt. And then on Fridays, um, Mr. Stefanik wears a, what he calls a fun tie. You can't see my air quotes around that. But so April Fool's, um, I, I guess it was on a Friday that year because you had on some crazy tie, but we actually got one out of like the, where did we get it out of? Out of like a the, prop. Oh, that's right. It was, it was like from your like, stage stuff. Yeah, it from was the just... drama stuff. So he put it on and I went in his room and I said, I am so sick of you wearing these stupid ties. And I took a pair of scissors out of my back pocket and I grabbed his tie and cut it in half and threw it in the trash. And oh my gosh, it was so funny. It was, a couple kids laughed, but we were shocked at how many of them thought it was real. First off, like I would ever do that. Well, I'd say three quarters of that was like, had the look like they had just witnessed a federal crime of some kind. They were so serious. I know. You would have thought I murdered you. It was like, ooh. And then a couple of them came in later and they were like, I think you hurt his feelings. I was, I was like, guys, no, it was a joke. Well, at least the sister didn't push me in the heart. I mean, it only cut yeah. the prop tie. Right. Yeah. I'm like, he wasn't bleeding. He's fine. A couple, a couple but, of yeah. students did notice. 
Yeah, yeah. They noticed the tie had been switched before the quote incident. So yes, yeah. A couple people were perceptive on it. Yeah, you you always do have a few smart kids that can handle it, but or smart aleck kids that um, you know can play it pretty good. And you always have some kids with kind of an adult sense of humor too. But not always. Yes, they let they were almost like you. They would be writing for SNL, oh, and yeah. you've got kids who are, you know. I think with our age group, for and for the audience that doesn't know, we teach twelve and thirteen year olds. So, yeah. so you're looking, you know. I always say like plus or minus three or four years on either end, and the yeah. humor that you have at the you know younger level is so different than at the yeah. um, upper teen level. So you, you really get a mix of everything. And that's, I think that's why, um, geez, in our younger years, we used to swap out furniture. Remember the desk for the tables? Oh yeah. The idea of doing that now is, is like exhausting. We would do the like eight minutes flat today. Probably take us a half hour. <laughs> Although the furniture is more uniform now than it was back then. There was all different oh, types yeah. of, so to swap out furniture was fun. Now it's yeah. all like desks. You know, in the oh, COVID yeah. era. I know. I used to have like the cool um, tables and bean bags and all that. That would have been fun to swap out. But we've done stuff like that several times. But I and was hopefully that to- stuff will return. Oh, yeah. The fun furniture. Yeah. And like now, I'm sure there are funny things in, in the COVID era, too. It's It's not necessarily harder to find them. It's just kind of like... You just have to um, look for them in different ways. Like, you know, the crazy names they were putting on them um, on their Zoom meeting names. You know, you still, they resurrected the old bend over and Phil McCracken and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I mean, it makes you laugh a little bit when they come up with a good new one. But, um, but they're, uh, they're very quiet on this. So I kind of miss their humor and miss the lighter side of it. Everybody seems so serious on zoom. That makes me a little sad because I never looked at my job as serious. I don't mean I don't take my job seriously. I just mean like the great charm of my job is that, you know, you're going to laugh every day, every single day. One of the things I like about you, Abby, is you're able to see the humor in situations where I have my head, you know, like I put my head down. Like I remember a day that your room wasn't supervised very well by a substitute and it looked horrible, you know, and I was saying I was I was I couldn't take it. But you were able to, you know, uh, you quiz the offending students. Right. Weren't they making a fort of some kind? And you you made a light moment out of fort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They They didn't have much of a defense, if I recall. Oh, they had none at all. Um, They built a fort out of my textbooks and all of my library novels. They they literally built a fort in the back of the room out of the (laughs) books. And I came in and I was like, who did this? And it wasn't even like the tough kids. It was like two really good kids, like good boys who now, by the way, are... Both have graduated from prep high schools and have gone into um, like Ivy League college. Architecture building. Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no, not our building industry. Well, I think I think one of them is a doctor, and I don't know what happened to the other one yet. I could I could probably ask around, but uh, or he's he's in pre med right now. One of them's in pre med, but um, they owned up right away because they knew. I always tell them if I find out for myself, if I have to research, I'm going to be mad. If you own up to it you get the consequences and that's the end, but you don't want to make a woman crazy. I tell them all the time because crazy women do crazy things like give extra homework. You want to keep a teacher as happy as possible (laughs) because happy teachers grade higher. That's what I tell them all the time. Happy teachers grade (laughs) higher. Sounds like a sign you could put on the wall. Yeah, I think it should be. Put that sign on the wall. I know it's just keep me happy. Another interesting part of your career is if I if I recall, um, you know, we always think that cliched speech of you're not gonna make the NBA, you're not gonna make the NHL. <laughs> well, you've yeah, had students who have made NBA and NHL, correct? Yep, I have an MBA, NHL, um, and I have had a student on the top forty billboard list. So I've got Lots of cool things. I even have kids that I see um, that are extras, not extras. They have speaking parts. So they're in movies. One of my old students um, is in Hollywood and he does a lot of like bit parts. He was in Alvin and the Chipmunks and um, a couple of other like Disney movies and things like that. But um, my best story of all of those is uh, Lou Williams the NBA player, my, he was in my class, Mm -hmm. my first year teaching in the States. And, um, he was a big basketball kid. He loved playing basketball. It's the only reason he went to school. He hated sitting there and listening. And, you know, he wasn't a bad kid. He just didn't want to do hard work. And I called his mom in and she was so funny. She and I were sitting there together. We were a team. And she said, that's it. Lewis, if you don't do your homework in English, if you don't bring this grade up to a C, you're not playing basketball. And he was horrified because, and I told him, I said, Lewis, I know you love basketball, but 0.001% of all kids who play basketball in middle school ever make it to like, cause I'd asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said, I, I want to play, you know, um, I want to play basketball. And I said, no, Lewis, 0.001% of all kids who play basketball in middle school, do it for a living. And I, I don't even know. It wasn't, I guess it was six years later. I was in my apartment in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I was going to grad school. And I get a phone call from out of the blue, Miss Baker. And I was like, who is this? He's like, it's Lewis. I said, hey, Lewis, why are you calling me? And how did you get this number? <laughs> He's like, I called every baker in the phone book till I found your mom. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I said, but Lewis, <laughs> why are you calling me? And he said, do you have ESPN? And I was like, what? He said, do you have ESPN? I think it was actually ESPN2, whatever. I didn't know. And I said, maybe. He goes, turn it on right now. And so I finally found it. And he said, just watch. It was the NBA draft. 
and he was on it. They drafted him right out of high school. And he was like, see, you were wrong. <laughs> and I said, but Lewis, aren't you glad you can read your contract? <laughs> and it was just, it just made me laugh. He's, it was so funny. Such a cute, such a great kid, but um, definitely didn't want to sit as a 12 year old. You know, he might have only been 11 at the time because I taught sixth grade then. But yeah, it was it was really funny. He was so cute. That's such a great story. And and like that, there is that, that is the teacher, you know, we say, well, you need a backup. You're not going to be in the NFL. And here, here it was, he makes that call. I mean, he must've been like, you know, walking on air, making that call. So much so that six years later, he remembered what I said. (laughs) You know, I mean, he, it was an in my face moment, you know, kind of like, I just think that's so funny that it made that a big of an impression on him. But I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad it was wrong for him anyway, (laughs) because he's certainly done well. I wanted to uh, really thank you, Abby, for taking the time to share some of the lighter moments of teaching. I think in the COVID era, it's nice to look back on some of these uh, funny anecdotes and stories. And and, um, you've given the audience uh, some smiles and laughs. So I really appreciate you coming on Get School today. Oh, thank you. And I just want to remind all the teachers out there that I know it's tough right now, but keep hanging on and find something to laugh at and with your kids every day. Tell your stories. They love them. They enjoy them and they're happy you're here. And thank you so much for having me, Mr. S. Oh, Abby, it's been great. And and if we can find that tie that was cut in half, maybe we could uh, show that (laughs) as a prop to the students. Maybe it's time to recreate that for April Fool's. (laughs) I, you know what? Let's find out what day April Fool's falls on this year and let's do it again. I love it. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Abby Wittridge, thank you for joining me on Get Schooled. All right. Thank you. Now it's time for my raise your hand portion of the show where we answer listeners' questions. I feel it's important to hear from teachers around the nation and share our collective experiences. So in order for you to get in touch with the show, you may tweet us at getschooled underscore pod or email us getschooledwithmrs at gmail.com. That's M-R-S at gmail.com. So raise your hand and join the conversation like Jerry from Ohio. Jerry writes, Mr. S, I enjoyed last week's conversation regarding hybrid learning and wanted to know more on how you as a math teacher are able to identify which students need more instruction because they are not understanding the material. Thanks, and I am enjoying the podcast. Jerry, thanks for raising your hand. That is a great question, and I think in remote learning, it is more difficult to ascertain which students are on point and those who do need more instruction. I think two features that I use, two strategies. One, I use the chat feature a lot in Zoom. So in some ways, it's a little bit easier using the chat feature because in a standard classroom, you ask a question, a couple of kids raise their hand. But using the Zoom chat, I can get 15 or 16 answers that are sent to me anonymously, uh, and that I can identify where students are at. It's also telling if they're not responding to the chat at all. That's another marker that I use to just check in with students as a little dipstick to see where they're at. 
The other strategy that is nice to use are the breakout rooms. And the breakout rooms, you can put them in groups from two to four. I find smaller groups seem to work better, but I teach middle school. And then you can go to breakout rooms. You move yourself as the teacher to the different breakout rooms, ask some guiding questions, have a little conversation. And I find, again, that's another strategy that I will use during the remote learning time. Nothing substitutes for the actual in-person in terms of checking in, but those are a couple of things that I've picked up along the way in my remote teaching experience. Jerry, I really appreciate your question, and I'd love to have more questions from you. If you want to join the show, email me at getschooledwithmrs at gmail.com, and that's mrs at gmail.com. On Twitter, at getschooled underscore pod. That's a wrap for this week's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Or connect with us on email, getschooledwithmrs at gmail.com. Today's show was produced and edited by the Bearcat Group. Music by Patrick Patrickios. Thanks for listening to Get Schooled with Mr. S. See you next time.